I am delighted to be joined by the head coach of UConn Baseball in his 20th year, Jim Penders, checking in from Gainesville, Florida, where the Huskies begin the NCAA tournament tomorrow. They'll pick on Texas Tech in a noon game. Jim, thanks for joining me today, and you just got in yesterday. Tell me about your itinerary when you first arrived in Florida and what you do between now and game time tomorrow. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me on, Wayne. It's always great to be with you. Appreciate it. Uh, we we uh, we flew out, or well, we we left uh, the Rizza Performance Center at um, oh boy, what was it, four forty-five in the morning yesterday, and uh, we're used to that. We've been doing that all year since uh, mid-February, so nothing new for us. And fortunately, we had a direct flight from uh, from Bradley to Orlando. Uh, unfortunately, Orlando is about two hours away from Gainesville, but we filled the time with a. Uh, a really good workout at the University of Central Florida. Uh, thanks to the thanks to the Knights letting us on there, and and uh, had a good good practice, and then had a quick lunch in Orlando, and and got on the bus and came north to, to Gainesville, and uh, it was beautiful here yesterday, and not too uh, considering it's it's June now in Florida, and not uh, too oppressive, and uh, you know it looks it, it's certainly going to be humid, but. Um, yeah, I think I think we're going to be in good shape with the weather. Uh, you're going to get some rain, but it's Florida, so there's always a little bit of rain. And touch on the UCF connection. That is a connection that you made back in the days when UConn was a member of the AAC, which UCF is a member of also, and they've got a pretty good program there. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, you know, they've they've always uh, done a good job. They're in a coaching transition uh, right now, but uh, you know, I. We, we do have a good relationship with those folks. And there's a lot of good that came from the AAC for, with regard to baseball. I mean, it really, it, it certainly helped us grow our program and our facilities. And, you know, we were so far behind in that league and it really kind of helped us kind of accelerate. I don't know if I, we could have accelerated, but it, it definitely got it. It helped get it um, over the finish line, helped get the facility over the finish line. And, and I've been able to retain some, our, you know, our incredible uh, assistant coaching staff and, uh, over the years with some more resources and but the, yeah the american was very good for for uh yukon baseball huskies the number two seed in the gainesville region taking on the number three seed texas tech tomorrow at 12 noon and then at 5 30 tomorrow the top seed in that region florida takes on florida a&m the fourth seed in fact florida's number two team overall in the nation as well handicap the field for me say a couple of words about the other three teams and then we'll get into your team and what you do well well, I'm really just focused. I, truly, I mean, I have not looked for more than five minutes at Florida or Florida A&M because most of the time that we've spent is just kind of dissecting Texas Tech. And I know it sounds like coach speak, but we really do just take them one at a time. And um, we're conscious of Florida. Really, don't know a thing about Florida A&M, but very conscious of Florida just because they're you know they're so nationally recognized and we've seen some of their games on television already they've got prospects all over the place and a, and a ton of uh, really good arms uh, you know coming out of the pen and and in the starting uh, rotation but uh, Texas Tech is really where the focus is right now and they're a perennial Omaha program I think they've been to the NCAA tournament seven years in a row now and Tim Tadlock does a fantastic job uh, we've beaten them once in my tenure and the only time that we we got them was on a neutral site field that happened to be at the University of Central Florida. So hopefully that's a, a good omen. John Testani had a game-saving catch in right field in a tournament that we had. And I think that was Tim's, might have been Tim's first year uh, with Texas Tech. And we haven't had much luck against them since. We played them four times in Lubbock and took it on the chin there 
with three walk-offs, three, three really tight games, a fourth that wasn't all that tight, but uh, they're very tough at home. Uh, they uh, they can really, really hit. They have a, a very good offense. The one thing that's kind of noticeable offensively, they don't run a ton. You know, I, I think he, he might be a little bit more like Earl Weaver this year and putting the hands in the pockets and waiting for the three-run homer. Um, and uh, they, they don't bunt. So it's not going to be station station, but you're going to have to keep the ball out of the out of the gaps and stop for, stop it from going over the fence because they have some real power threats. Uh, they have four or five guys uh, with double digit double digit uh, home run totals and uh, a ton of RBIs. I mean, they have a guy named Gavin Cash in their lineup who's a transfer from the University of Texas with 81 runs driven in. I mean, you don't see that in college baseball uh, at this stage. So. Um, you know they've got some real good talent on on the offensive side. They have some really high end arms. I, you know they're not their bullpen is solid, but it's not. If you can get into their bullpen early, I like our chances. Um, but we're really really focusing on what we've got to do. Um, you know it's one thing to scout your opponent, and we'll have tons of video on them. My assistants are breaking down all the hitters. Coach McDonald will have a great game plan to attack their their weaknesses um and uh, but the big thing is focusing on what we do and uh we struggled a little bit defensively at catcher and shortstop in the last uh, tournament that we had and um you know hopefully we've cleaned up those areas kind of had to do a little bit of psychology work on both the, both the catcher and the shortstop over the over the week um over the last several days anyway and and yesterday but i think they're in a in a much better place they both look good uh heading in Matt Garbowski and, and Brian Padilla um, and everybody else seems like they're pretty, we're pretty healthy. Um, with the exception of Ian Cook, I think we've got all of our arms ready, you know, to go. And, uh, I like our chances if we can score early and uh, keep some pressure on Texas Tech, make them chase us. Uh, it's going to be difficult. We don't know who, who we're facing it. They have not announced a starter, but they have their aces. Kid by the name of Mason Molina, who's a really tough lefty with high punch out totals and, he will walk a few, but he's he struck out 98 and 77 and a third, and has a 219 batting average against. So he's going to be a tough uh, tough mountain to climb. And uh, but we'll see who we get. And it's more about us this time of year than it is the opponent. If we play our A game, it, the one thing here, Wayne, is that you can't have a B game or a B minus game. You're going to get beat. You know, you have to have your A game. Um, and we could get away with a B, B minus game, maybe in the Big East regular season, and still win. That's not going to happen at this level of college baseball. You know, you have two two teams in the field that have been to Omaha year in year out, and if Florida A and M is coming off a championship and just lifted a trophy, so they're going to be dangerous too. Um, so we're just going to take them one game at a time. And I know it sounds like Bull Durham, but uh, it's it's the truth. You talked injuries. Will Devin Kirby be ready to go? He's a key member of your bullpen. Yeah, he will be. You know, that was he came out and um, it was a very bizarre uh, mound visit. I went with the trainer, uh, our great trainer Katie Dan, out to the mound, and Devin just didn't look right. The ball, you know, they had a, a velocity, they had a gun um, displaying his velocities on the center field scoreboard, and it was way down. And I just thought that that just doesn't look right. And he gave me two or three different answers on the mound. Um, and not quite sure to this day, we're not quite sure what he experienced out there, but, uh, he is healthy and he has looked very good in his bullpen. So he's a weapon, um, that for some reason we just didn't have this past uh, weekend in, in Ohio, but, uh, he's got a full tank and he, uh, is, is himself right now and, uh, is healthy and ready to go. So he's a guy who can get us a ground ball and a, 
in a big spot, and uh, the game does not speed up on him. So uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do down here. Your starting pitching has struggled at times virtually all year. That's not a secret. Your top four starters, Cook, Quigley, Sullivan, and Sears, combined for only 14 wins and 49 starts. But your top four relievers, Fogel, Coe, Kirby, and Ellison, and not to mention Justin Willis, they were spectacular 25-4. and four. Talk about how good your bullpen was this year and how important it is tomorrow and in this NCAA regional and all along in the NCAAs to get the game to your bullpen. Very important. If we can get a lead and go to those guys that you mentioned, uh, we feel, you know, the team feels extremely confident in all those guys. Not to say that we don't feel confident in our starters. I actually think we made some strides, uh, over the past week with our starters. Andrew Sears had probably his best outing in a Yukon uniform last weekend against, uh, or last week against Georgetown. Uh, Stephen Quigley struggled, but he's been our most consistent starter in it. And Garrett Coe, is not a surprise to anybody in our uniform. Uh, it doesn't matter when he pitches, if he starts, if he relieves. He's just got courage and guts, and he's going to give you everything he's got. His stuff is not something that scouts are going to drool over, but um, he knows how to command it, and uh, he's never going to give in to the opponent. So I feel like our starters are actually in a pretty good place considering this time of year. Um, and But you're right. I mean, the strength all year has been get it to the bullpen. That's where... Our, our horses are, and it's kind of backwards that we, in the way that we normally and are used to doing it. But uh, if you're not adjusting at this stage, then you're dead in our game. So we've just kind of had to say, all right, we're going to build it from the back end, and you know, try to get those guys. You know, if if we feel, you know, if we get a five four lead in the six, whew, we're in good shape. You know, I mean, you feel you feel awesome about that because we're going to turn it over to some guys that can really get swing and miss, and um, and go from there. But uh, yeah, the, the bullpen's been our obviously our, our big strength on the mound this year. UConn baseball coach Jim Penders with us today. And Jim, you just touched on Earl Weaver ball a couple of moments ago. With only 28 sacrifice bunts, it appears you relied less on small ball this year than you have in the past. Is that accurate? If so, what factors influence that? Oh, no question about it. I mean, you know, the, the, the trend overall in Major League Baseball, obviously you don't, you don't bunt, you don't play for one run. Uh, but our lineup is constructed such that in such a way that you have so many veterans and some real home run guys. I mean, you know, you got powerful batters like Luke Broadhurst in our six hole. I mean, he'd be hitting fourth and almost every other program in the country. Um, you know, and Jake Studley in front of him in the five hole, he's an experienced bat, you know, a guy that can really hit doubles and, you know, they're slugging, they're, they're sluggers. Um, you know, Ben Huber's one of the best sluggers in, in, on all the East Coast. Uh, and then you have Dominic Freeberger who can also hurt you with double in front of him. Paul Tamaro's come on lately and he's an extra base threat. So yeah, I'd have to, you know, if, if I'm moving, uh, runners one at a time, putting sacrifice bunts on, I'm going to get some real bad, uh, feedback from my assistant coaches. I mean, they want them to swing the bats and, and uh, they've proven that, to be able to do that. Now, I will say that in a, in a, you know they each can bunt. Uh, I think Ben Huber is probably the only guy in our lineup that hasn't been asked to lay down a sacrifice bunt at one time or another this year. Not saying that they've all been successful, but they all can do it in the moment. Um, and if we absolutely have to have it, we can do it. But um, no, I, it's it's uh, by design. I mean, we've got guys that can hit for extra bases and. Um, you know, if I listen to our, all of our analytics kids, uh, they, they don't, they want me to put my hands in my pockets and be more like Earl Weaver too. 
you talk about the transfer portal. You talked about Luke Broadhurst, who won a national championship at Eastern Connecticut State University last year, a guy from Stafford Springs. You've got a couple of guys from Division Three programs in Wheaton, Stephen Quigley, starting pitcher, and Zach, Jack Studley, an outfielder. And uh, both of those guys were named Big East first team. The Big East player of the year was Dom Freeberger, third baseman. He was a grad transfer from UNC Asheville. You've got starting pitcher Zach Fogel, first team all Big East from Brown. You've got Ben Huber, the first baseman, grad transfer from Limestone College in his second year at UConn. And another second teamer besides Broadhurst, second baseman David Smith from LaSalle. So you lost a lot of key players from last year, but this transfer portal has really changed sports in general. How has it changed your team and college baseball in general? Well, I mean, it's no secret. I mean, I think our seven, eight, nine hitters were the only guys that are kind of what we call homegrown, you know, guys that came in as freshmen um, this past weekend, and Brian Padilla, um, Matt Garbowski, and Corey Morton, two of those, you know, uh, two of those guys are Connecticut, you know, Connecticut guys um, in, in Garbowski and, and Morton. But I used to get kind of hung up on that. Like, I brought – I just Connecticut guys. I just only, only want Connecticut guys, and I still would love to have all the best Connecticut guys. But we're not willing. I guess one of the changes over the last ten years or so is that we're just not willing to. All right, well, we'll finish fourth or fifth this year, and you know it'll be a rebuilding year and and build from the back end and or build from the bottom up. And I, it's I don't know what it is, but once you get a taste of the NCAA regionals, you get a taste of super regionals and you're knocking on the door at Omaha. It's like, we, we don't want to rebuild. We want to reload. If you can plug and play, then go do it. And um, you look around college baseball, uh, the teams that are going to be playing in Omaha, I would, you know, and, and hopefully we're one of them, there's going to be very few freshmen making an impact. I mean, that's just the reality of it. You're winning with 22, 23, and sometimes 24-year-olds in this post-COVID era. And, and um, you know, I mean, it, it's just it's easier to win with men. Uh, there's just less uh, – there's less that you have to account for. There's guys that have experience. There's guys that have that have failed. The Luke Broadhurst, great story there, and you know, really struggled with us as a freshman and into his sophomore year. Went to a place where he gained confidence, got to play every day, and won a national championship. Was a two-time All-American, and we're benefiting from that experience now. So, I, you know, you kind of have to put you as a coach. You kind of have to put your ego back in the drawer and say, well, hey, we're still going to develop. It's just going to be a little bit quicker. You know, you're going to have to get guys. You know, you're going to have to take them to a little different level. I mean, look at Don Freeberger did not have power last year. If you look at his numbers from Asheville, he's, he's developed some power with us. His strikeouts are up a little bit, but I think that's added a dimension to his game and made him a little bit more attractive to professional scouts, too. So there's some development that can still happen for those 22, 23-year-olds, and that's where we have to get our jollies. Um, I like getting my jollies like that and winning a lot of games. I, I don't like... Um, getting my jollies. Well, you know what? The freshman made his bed this morning and got to class on time and um, looked like he knew the signs in the fall. In, in fall. And, you know, I, we're probably going to go 28 and 28, but that's okay because next year we'll be better. That's not where we're at right now. I'm just not willing to slide back. Um, we just got to keep building. And, and um, in order to do that, you need the best of the best to transfer in. Unfortunately, our program's in a place where we can take advantage of that. Jim, you're assigned to the Gainesville Regional, hosted by the University of Florida, the number two team in the country. That would indicate that the committee slated you as number 31 overall. Your RPI and poll rankings had you quite a bit higher. Were you at all surprised at that placement? You know what? I, I really don't get caught up in it. I know that that's what the, the media has been 
talking about. And if you want to lift a trophy at the end of June in Omaha, you've got to go through the best anyway. So maybe we're getting the best a little bit earlier than maybe some people, some prognosticators have said. But, um, you know, I left politics in 1996 to get away from the suits in those boardrooms and let them make those decisions. Let us play the games. And I'm not going to get caught up in, in um, you know, what those guys are deciding in, in some conference room or on a Zoom call. Um, they got a tough job to do. We got a tough job to do. Let's just focus on our job. And that's, you know, that's trying to beat Texas Tech tomorrow. Explain what you meant by that, because even though you've been a very successful baseball coach, especially at the University of Connecticut, yeah, you did work in Washington for a while. You weren't an elected official, but you worked for a couple of guys that were. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I had a momentary lapse in judgment. Uh, got involved in, in Washington. I worked for a really good man in, in uh, Tom Harkin, a retired U.S. senator from from the state of Iowa, and um, linked on with him through a, a, a guy who's by the name of Paul Danino, who's still raising money in Washington D.C. is was a great mentor for me. Um, and he was a big baseball fan. I think we hit it off talking about the big red machine, and that's probably had more to do with me getting that job than anything else. But um, entry-level position, had a great experience there. Got to meet the president, got to do some cool things through a fundraiser. I uh, got to combine baseball a little bit. Combined, um, we, we threw a fundraiser for Senator Harkin and Peter Angelos's box in Camden Yards. We threw another one um, in George Steinbrenner's box at Yankee Stadium. So th- those are two of the highlights. But um, while it was a great experience, you know, to be there in your mid twenties and um, see how things work, uh, you know, seeing the sausage made uh, on Capitol Hill made it not taste as good. And I figured I could make a lot more of an impact in people's lives if I did it from the grassroots and and uh, in education and uh, wanted to get out of uh, out of Washington. And glad glad that I did, especially the mess that's there now. And you certainly have made an impact at the University of Connecticut, and we appreciate that. That being said, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up your facility. The Elliott Ballpark is just an amazing college baseball facility. Talk about what that means to your program and what it means to recruiting to get more good players down the road. They're going to want to play at that place. No, there's no doubt. And I pinch myself every day, Doug and Sheila Elliott and the whole Elliott family and what they've contributed, you know, not just dollars-wise, but in mentorship and in giving their, you know, loaning their son to us to play and become a most valuable player for us. Um, there's just, you know, you're humbled by their generosity and the generosity of so many others to finally get that dream a reality. And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous ballpark. And, um, you know, I, I think I first noticed the impact before it even opened and we were in the middle of COVID and the whole thing is chained off and nobody can get on it. But, uh, there were there were high school baseball players that were going to the top of McMahon parking lot behind McMahon, Brian McMahon Hall and could see down peer down through the trees into the ballpark that were calling us to commit before we had offered them a roster spot or even you know a scholarship or even a roster spot they were calling to commit to the University of Connecticut that's a that's a uh, first world problem um, but it is still a problem I and mean, we can't. We can't. Um, we have to do our homework even more so now because we have uh, a beautiful state-of-the-art facility in the Northeast, and it's going to draw a lot of eyeballs and a lot of attention, and it should. And the training facility, you know, there is a performance center next to it. It's just uh, it'll knock your eyes out as well. Um, they're great devices, but it's still about the people, 
And if the people that are attracted to those things are attracted because it's nice and shiny and new, and they're not attracted to the fact that, well, I can turn the lights on at 10 o'clock and hit there, or I can get in the Rizzo Performance Center and hit at 2 in the morning if I want to. Um, if they're more attracted to the work that's going to take place in those spaces and less attracted to how flashy they are, that's a Yukon Husky. So we have to do our homework on those guys. We can't just say, oh, this, these 17 kids want to come. Okay, great. Um, we got to do our homework and make sure that they're attracted to the right things, and that's the ethos of of the university and the people that uh, are in our program for sure, and not the bells and whistles. Jim, always great talking to you. We wish you the best of luck in the NCAA tournament, beginning with the Gainesville Regional tomorrow at noon against Texas Tech. Now, go enjoy your omelet. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Wayne. I appreciate it. He's number 16 in your program because you couldn't get number 15, Thurman Munson's number, Jim Penders in his 20th year as the head baseball coach at the University of Connecticut.